We are delighted that you've joined us for an hour of inspirational music on Songs of Praise.
As she made her way to Jesus, she stumbles through the tears that made her blind. She felt such pain, some spoke in anger, heard folks whisper, there's no place here for her face until at last she knelt before his feet and though she spoke no words everything she said was heard as she poured her
safe inside your hand you hold me pain and tribulations mold me I try to run away from you the pain's too great you put me through I find myself on my knees to pray and then you hear the words you long for me to say make of me a vessel that you can always use no matter how you break me when I And you've known me I try to run away again I break your heart with all my sin I fall to you with tear-filled eyes I run to you with broken heart and cry Make of me a vessel That you can always What I win or what I lose Let me be a vessel Pure and holy Perfect in your eyes Lord, hear me when I cry For you to make me A vessel That you can always use No matter how you break me What I win or what I lose Let me be a vessel Pure and holy Perfect in your eyes Lord, hear me when I cry For you to make me We are pleased you have joined us on Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio. Be thou my vision, O Lord. 
Sing to God, sing praises to His name. Extol Him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before Him. Psalm 68 verse 4.
Tom's ear as he wanders in exile from home. Soon, soon will the Savior in glory appear, and soon will the kingdom come. He's coming, coming, coming soon, I know, coming back to this earth hope you are being encouraged to see the goodness of God on Songs of Praise. A little boy is crying for affection A little girl needs a hand to hold And oh, how he loves those little children How he longs to be a friend to young his tender spirit welcomes all who seek him His giving heart has little in return And I've found his promises faithful I seek to live my life that I may Jesus, to be the one I was created. 
it's worthy, so let's all praise him. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise to the Lord, lift up your voice. Praise to the Lord, let the people rejoice. If we keep silent, the rocks will cry. I praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise to the Lord. Praise him for mercy, praise him for grace. Praise him for music, filling this place. With praise to him in whose name we gather. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise to the Lord, lift up your voice. Praise to the Lord, let the people rejoice. If we keep silent, the rocks will cry. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise to the Lord. Songs of Praise is a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. Join us next time for more inspirational music. Today, in 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading, we're continuing I Saw God's Hand by the late missionary pastor Elwyn Martin. Much of the book is set in Papua New Guinea, and is broadcast with the kind permission of Amazing Facts. Chapter 3, Call of the South Seas College days, while packed with interest, certainly found me with my nose to the grindstone. Study came hard, for I had been away from school for more than 12 years. Then, because of my loss in the motor garage deal, and because of personal expenses for clothing and bedding, I was left with no alternative but to work my way through college as a Class D student, which in those days required about $30 in cash for the year. The remaining 75% needed to cover college fees, meals and room could be earned by working at the college and the Sanitarium Health Food Company. Time for both work and study was precious. If between classes I had a spare period or two, I would quickly change into my overalls, run to the factory, clock in and begin work in the engineering shop. I chose to enrol in the Bible workers course, but events that first year compelled me to alter the set of my sail. Pastor Kata Rangaso from the British Solomon Islands while in Australia for the Australasian Division Committee meeting was invited to speak at the Friday evening Vespers at the college. Pastor Rangaso, whose skin was as black as my Bible, every inch of his six foot two inches, a wonderful Christian, spoke English very well, but he always sensed his limitations. That Friday he came down with a heavy attack of malarial fever. He felt that by evening he would be able to take the meeting, provided an interpreter could be found so that he would not have to speak in English. Pastor G.F. Jones, the old missionary sea captain, was sent for and urgently requested to be at the college in time for the evening Vesper meeting. Pastor Jones, one of God's great men, is the only man I know of whom it could be said that he possessed the gift of tongues in the sense of using actual languages. 
Years before, in his small boat, he had made his way into Maravo Lagoon in the Solomon Islands as the first pioneer missionary. He spoke to those savage headhunters in their own language from the very moment he set foot on their soil. This made a tremendous impact upon them, for they assumed him to be one of their departed chiefs who had come back from the dead in the form of a white man to bring to them a vital message. When Pastor Jones arrived at the college that Friday afternoon, not knowing why he had been summoned, he was asked to interpret for Pastor Rangasso, for he used to speak Maravo during the years he worked in the Solomons. He humbly explained that he would be unable to translate because he could not speak the language and had not spoken it since the day he left the Solomons. He explained that it was only as God gave him utterance that he was able to speak. This caused great concern to Pastor Rangasso, who did not feel up to delivering his address in English. He finally requested that Pastor Jones at least join him on the rostrum. When Pastor Rangasso began to speak, whether he really meant to or not, I do not know. He began speaking in Maravo. Pastor Jones immediately jumped to his feet and whispered to Pastor Rangasso that he understood him clearly and that he would be able to interpret for him after all. During that meeting, Pastor Rangasso uplifted Christ and told of the thousands of his people who were going down into Christless graves. A burden was placed on my heart that will never be erased this side of eternity. Out under the stars alone that night, I made a covenant with my master to go to the Solomon Islands as soon as he called. From that very hour, I felt destined to serve in the Solomons. My exuberance overshadowed my self-restraint. Soon everyone knew of my hopes. On many occasions, students asked me whether any of our division leaders has asked me about going to the Solomons. Of course, they had not, yet I was undaunted. Near the end of my third college year, one year short of graduation, an emergency developed at the home of my girlfriend, Alma, in the southwestern slopes of New South Wales. Someone was needed to help harvest the wheat and the oat crops for her brother, Stan, who was in the hospital with a heart condition. He was not expected to live. Alma's father was deceased. No other man appeared to be available. After securing assurance from the college that I would be able to take my exams under supervision at a later date, I left immediately and within a few days was harvesting from daylight till dark. Shortly after the harvest was completed, word came from the college reversing the previous decision. This meant that I would have to repeat a whole year's work and of course graduation would be delayed a year. Shortly after the harvest, we laid stand to rest until the resurrection morning. Having had little opportunity during that vacation to earn fees for college the next year, I was in turmoil. Should I stay away from college a year in order to build up my finances? This, and repeating a year, would put my graduation forward two years. One day, soon after Stan's death, Alma's mother made me a tremendous offer, an offer that would have solved all my financial worries. Could you believe it? 
she offered me the freehold property, stocked with a good dairy herd, sheep and farm machinery, including a tractor for crops such as wheat, oats and lucerne, that's alfalfa. There was a new house. Alma and I could have married and the place would have been ours. This fantastic offer threw me into greater turmoil than ever. What should I do? Spend a year to try to build my finances and thereby delay my graduation? Return to college immediately and trust that in some way unknown to me, the necessary funds would come when I needed them most? Or stay and take over the farm? After all, I was born and bred in western New South Wales. But if I did this... What about my covenant with the Lord to go to the Solomon Islands as soon as he called? Alma's mother was pressing me to go into the solicitor's office on that Friday morning and have the necessary papers drawn up. She found it hard to understand why I asked for a couple of days to think it over. Friday night found me on my knees for many hours going over the three propositions. In the early hours of the Sabbath morning, I told my Lord I must know that day what I was to do. Return to college, work for one year, or take over the farm. I made a full commitment to him to do whatever his will indicated. We attended Sabbath school in that little southwestern country town, and it fell my lot to take the church service. Returning home that afternoon, still praying silently that the Master would show me his will, I was greeted by Alma's mother, telling me that a letter had come in the mail. She had put it on my dressing table. Breathing a prayer, I tore open the envelope and there was a letter from the Australasian Division asking me to connect with the Solomon Islands Mission for missionary service. I told Alma... And there on our knees we thanked the Master for such a clear-cut answer to our prayers. It would mean years of separation for us, but that would not matter as long as we were doing His will. Alma's mother still found it hard to understand why I turned down her offer. I replied immediately to the Secretary of the Australasian Division, advising him of my willingness to accept the call. In reply, he asked when I would be ready to sail. My answer was to this effect, about as long as it would take to pick up my toothbrush. However, the secretary informed me that the committee expected me to go out as a married man. That would be impossible. My resources were too limited. My college bill was paid, but in my last term there, things were close and I barely had enough money to pay a second-class train fare to Alma's home. My reply to the division made it very clear that I was quite prepared to go out alone, and after a term of service, that would have been three years, I would plan to marry. The reply overwhelmed me. The division offered me wages up to six months in advance so that we could marry and purchase whatever was necessary to equip ourselves and set up a home in the Solomons. Alma had three weeks to prepare for our wedding. 
Then there was the mad rush of obtaining passports and documents and purchasing whatever was necessary, taking great care that the money was spent wisely, for after all, the money wasn't really ours. At last, we were on our way to the Solomons. Chapter 4 Wedding Gifts at Customs Our wedding went off well and Alma and I were overjoyed by the number of wedding presents, including sufficient cash to buy a refrigerator. Although we appreciated them, the wedding gifts brought an added problem, for how could we possibly pay tithe on them? The amount was far beyond my limited resources. However, by disposing of some goods we would have liked to keep, not wedding gifts, we were able to pay the full amount of tithe. Shortly before the boat sailed on March 19, a friend about my age but not of our faith came to me with a request. Bill handed me a letter addressed to his brother, whom I shall call James Gilmore, in the remote hope that someday I might hear of Jim. If I should, I could then mail the letter to him. The background was this. Jim had quarrelled with his mother and left home. Several years had gone by, but he had not been heard of. At the time of the mother's death, some years after Jim's departure, every attempt was made to locate him. But the only ray of hope was that at one period, a man by the same name had been in Fiji. I promised Bill I would be on the lookout for his brother. We found it hard to say goodbye to our many friends and loved ones. As we sailed out of Sydney, we realised that our term of service would separate us from them for at least three years. To be continued. Tune in again next week for the next episode of I Saw God's Hand, written by Elwyn Martin and read by Alan Lindsay. tip lady and I love to give tips to help make your life more simple. Do you ever feel that your life is just pretend? That you're all show and no punch? That you're going absolutely nowhere? Well we were out walking the other day and we spotted an old wagon in a weedy overgrown paddock. We thought that there must be some interesting mystery there so we hiked over to investigate. And surprise, it was a wagon, but it had fixed wooden wheels that had never turned as wheels do. It was all show and no do. It never had done anything. It had just sat there since the day it was built. It was just pretend. It had never creaked and rattled its way along a dusty trail. It had never carried weary travellers to far off destinations. It's never been anywhere, just where it was built, right there. Do you ever feel that your life is just pretend to? Remember, we've just asked that. Do you feel you're going nowhere? Well, that's what my two tips are all about today. There's a way to fix that. Guess what it is? So simple. 
first tip today is start moving. Well, how? Take actions that will make you feel like you're going to want to feel. Don't wait to feel different. So here's tip number two. Start doing what you really would like to do because feelings will follow your actions. You'll not have to feel that your life is pretend that you're not going anywhere because you'll be moving. So do you want new feelings? Want to feel like your life is on the move again? That you're not at a standstill like the sad old wagon? Then start doing what you want to do, whether you feel like it or not. And positive, happy, successful feelings will follow. So I have two simple tips for today. Start moving and start doing what you really would like to do. You will be surprised what directions your life takes and how far you can go. That's it today from the two-tip lady who loves to help make your life more simple. Do this and you'll feel better, guaranteed. Thank you.